Welcome to our first EIU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser, and on this kickoff edition of the show, we visit with Eastern Illinois men's soccer alumnus, Shellis Heinemann, whose career has included a national championship as a player at EIU, several NCAA College Cup Final Four appearances as a coach, and a successful career coaching FCS Dallas in Major League Soccer. We hope you enjoy this new series, which will highlight some of the great people and moments associated with Eastern Illinois University Athletics. Before we start our show, a couple of quick notes and thank yous. Season tickets for the 2020 EIU football season are now on sale. With reduced capacity this season, a season ticket will be the only way to guarantee a seat at O'Brien Field this season to watch the Panthers in action. A special discounted rate of $60 per ticket is available if tickets are purchased by August 1st. To purchase your tickets and lock up your seat for the 2020 season, call the EIU ticket office at 217-581-2106. As many fall season competition dates for Eastern Illinois sports have been delayed for the 2020 season, Recently, the Ohio Valley Conference and Summit League announced that for the sports of men's soccer, women's soccer, and volleyball, a conference-only schedule will be in effect. Those schedules, which will start in mid-September, are slated to be released in the near future. Please look for those new schedules on EIUPanthers.com in the coming weeks. Start dates for other Olympic sports and non-traditional seasons may begin their competition on September 17th. This time, the 2020 football season will be played as scheduled with the Panthers opener at home on September 3rd against Indiana State. And finally, a thank you to our Panther Sports Properties Corporate Partner and Restaurant of the Week. This week's corporate partner is the Krauss County Mall in Mattoon, which provides great local shopping options, including the recently opened stores for Marshalls and Glicks. Our Restaurant of the Week is Subway where for a limited time, the $5 footlong special is back when you purchase two footlong subs through the Subway app. Now we hope you enjoy our first edition here of EIU Panthers podcast. Coming up, our visit with EIU soccer men's alumnus, Shalas Heinemann. And welcome to the EIU Panthers podcast. We are joined by a name a lot of EIU folks will know, Shellis Heinemann, who played soccer here at Eastern Illinois and also was a coach here for Eastern Illinois and had a lot of success. So coach from his, I think you're at your home right now in Arizona, um, Coach Shellis Heinemann joining us right here on the podcast. Yes, Rich, uh, I am in my home in Scottsdale, Arizona. I uh, haven't been to the office for quite a while, but it's uh, – uh, thank you so much for the invitation to speak about Eastern Illinois. Well, and, and I, I do appreciate that. I had the, the honor of actually meeting you down there. Eastern Illinois men's basketball played Grand Canyon this year, and we were able to have breakfast and, and meet face-to-face, and it was a great honor for me, Coach, and especially with the, the history you've had here at Eastern. And it was even more interesting for me in the fact that this past what would be academic year, we were able to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the 1969 EIU Men's Soccer National Championship team. I know you're coaching at Grand Canyon right now. You weren't able to make it back, but I, I know you, you had some stories and had some conversations with some of those guys, and hopefully they, they had a good time coming back here to campus and reliving some of those memories. You know, uh, the conversations I had with them, and, uh, and Rennie Garcilas was great because he was on site uh, helping uh, Coach Woodall Gerardo Pagnani took over a lot of the information 
I had to bow out knowing that I would be in season. But, uh, but the conversation I had with a lot of those guys was it was just fantastic. They all felt like they, they hadn't left. You know, things uh, would change. But uh, the fact that they were all together, they were able to share memories. And uh, I think they're, they're all set and ready to do it again when it hits 100 years. Well, that'd be great if they could make it back. I, I, I'm hopefully we didn't scare any of them off. And I don't know if you'd heard this part or not. I think we had the, maybe a, maybe one of the rainiest days in the history of uh, Charleston, Illinois. The next day, they they were troopers. They set through the homecoming parade in the rain, and they were they they set through most of the game. And we were able to honor them out on the field. And then after that, I'm sure most of them went to find themselves a warm beverage and a, and a place to dry off. Well, you know, I'll tell you something. Uh, quite a few of the guys came back. I mean, understand that team was uh, the best team in the country in 1969. And quite a few of them came back. We lost a few of them uh, through, through, through circumstances in life. But um, they absolutely loved being back here. Uh, it was a treat for them to have the event. And this was something that Coach Woodall said uh, to me one day, why don't we do men's, and, men's soccer and men's cross country since we both won the national championship that year. And I'll tell you what, they talked, uh, the players talked with a lot of pride. They, they love Eastern Illinois University. Now you were a member of that team. And I, th I think if I'm not mistaken, you may have been a, a freshman on, on that team or maybe a, maybe a sophomore, um, I guess. So you would have been one of the, the young bucks on the team, at, but what were maybe some of the guys or some of the memories that, that you hold from there? And I, I know it's 50 years ago, but, Winning a national championship doesn't happen every day, so I'm sure a few things come right to the top of your head. You know, first of all, I was a freshman, and I got introduced to a, a wonderful group of guys that, that I'm so happy to say that are still my friends today. I mean, we had, uh, we had the boys from Edmonton, uh, Carmelo, Rago, Gerardo Pagnani, Tony Durante. They were exceptional. They were fantastic soccer players. Without them, uh, there was no way we would want a championship. And then when, then when I look at the defense, uh, we had Frank Uranovich, uh, Nick Markulin. I mean, those two guys were exceptional. Bobby Huber in the midfield. I can go on and on and on with, with names of John Polacek. It was such a great team. But more importantly, uh, this was a group of guys that are still friends today. Think about this. 50 years later, we're still on the phone. I'm texting with Gerardo and Chisno Mosnia and – and Rennie Garcilos almost every night. So um, they, they, loved the, they loved the school, they loved their experiences. But that was a fantastic team. I think the captain of the team was a guy named uh, Ed Westmeski. And Ed was an unbelievable great guy. He went to the Marine Corps, he came back, he was focused. Terry Spica, unfortunately, both of those guys, uh, along with Jim Likovic and uh, Tony Durante have all, have all passed, but their memories, uh, Fritz Teller, Ian, Ian uh, Barker, uh, uh, these guys were, were tremendous coaches, and they, they took us to um, Earlham College, where, where Gerardo scored a game-winning goal for us to be a national champion against Davis and Elkins, and uh, it was a cold, cold tournament. But what, a, what an accomplishment for Fritz Teller, the coach, to put so many different people and so many different nationalities together and for us to, to be so successful. Now I'm going to, I'm going to detour a little bit here on your coach. When you, since you threw out the term nationalities, I, I looked this up and 
I would tell you, if I was a betting man and I had met you for the very first time and was introduced to your name, I would have, and I don't mean to offend you here, I would have thought that you would have been of maybe of Dutch ancestry. I, I look it up and your, your father was, was Portuguese and your, your mother was, was French and you were born in Macau, which is in China, which would not be, <laughs> I think, where anybody that you have ever met would probably guess. No, no, not at all. And when I, when I tell people I grew up in China, they look at me and think that I'm a joker. But uh, <laughs> no, it was, uh, Macau was a Portuguese colony. My mother was really a Russian French uh, from okay. Shanghai. And uh, it, it was a different life. It was really a different life. Uh, John Polachek and I talked many times about uh, how our lives changed when we came to Eastern Illinois. I mean, Eastern Illinois, even as of today, it's really my home. Uh, I went to school there. I grew up there. I got married there. Two of my children were born in Charleston. One is Sarah Bush, one in Charleston Hospital. I coach, I, I think, seven years there. So uh, I've had nothing but great memories and great Great friendships there as well. Now, when you talk about your coaching career, the other thing that, uh, that surprised me because they don't even have a, a team anymore is you actually started your head coaching career at Murray State, a, a team that's in the Ohio Valley Conference. So, so people in this area at least are familiar with that team. But when you think Murray State, you think men's basketball. You, you definitely don't think men's soccer. <laughs> How was that for you to get, kind of get started there before you came back to get your opportunity at Eastern? Yeah, that's a, that's a strange story in itself. I was, uh, when I finished uh, my job at Eastern, or my schooling at Eastern Illinois, I went to a place right outside of Peoria called Lacon, L-A-C-O-N, Lacon, Illinois, and I taught there for a year. Uh, uh, one of our players, Carmelo Rago, went to Murray State. John Polacek went to Murray State. They got their master's degree, and, and I was close to them, and they told me, why don't you go to Murray State? And what do I have to do to get my master's degree? Well, you have to coach the soccer team. <laughs> you know, at that time, they had to have so many men's and so many women's sports. And uh, their big sports was obviously basketball, football, as you mentioned. So I was uh, the head coach, like Carmelo was and, and John Polacek was before me. It was a wonderful opportunity for me to kind of grow up a little bit, take responsibility. And I was coaching guys that were my age or older than me. So... Uh, some things worked out really well for me. And, and um, uh, when I came back to Eastern Illinois, I, I spent a year and a half in Brazil. I came back to Eastern Illinois. I did a, a master's degree again in guidance and counseling, worked with Fritz Teller. And then when he retired, I, I became the, whole coach, uh, the head coach. And that was the beginning of my career. I was really, really lucky to be where I was. Now, I, I, you're not the first coach I've ever met in my life that says a lot of times luck and timing play have some – some, I guess, are star-crossed lovers a lot of times in, in people's career, and you happen to be the right place, right time to come back to your alma mater and coach at Eastern, and an interesting time probably at EIU, and in that standpoint, they had moved to Division Two, and while you were the coach, moved to Division One, and I, I've talked to people I know that think about um, sports in general, and they think that one of the, the biggest accomplishments maybe in the history of Eastern is your 1981 team that you coached mm -hmm. and they finished third in the NCAA at the Division I level at, at that time. And that may have been the, if I'm not mistaken, that might have been the first year EIU played at the Division I level in men's soccer. Rich, you, you did your homework. You're absolutely <laughs> right. You, you're absolutely right. Uh, when, when I was there, we were Division II. When we were playing, I mean, uh, we, you know, we had a really fantastic team that my freshman year. The next year we were, we weren't as good. You know, I, I think we didn't, 
surprise anybody in 1970. But we also lost two key people. We lost one of the best goalies I've ever been around, Tim Manos, and we lost a, a center back named Gabino Sandoval. And so taking those two guys out of our lineup really hurt the team the following year. So when, when I took the team from Fritz Teller, we, we were a pretty strong team. He left me a uh, – he did not uh, – uh, let's put it this way, the cabinet wasn't empty. I mean, there yeah. were some pretty good players I was dealing with. Um, so we did well. We got to the national championships in Division II. Uh, but the, in 1981, it was probably the, the year that I, if I had to put down one year that was a special year for me as a coach, I would probably name that one first. I had a wonderful group of, of players. Uh, Damian Kelly, who led the team, uh, Ajima Prempe, uh, Albert Adadi. We, we had so many good, good players. When we made that move, we could have been the best team in the country. Now, we, we finished third, but we could have ended up winning it. Uh, we lost to the eventual champion two to one on a on a on a uh, a goal that I think was it was a goal that we stopped in a pass, but um, that was an unbelievable accomplishment. Here we were, Division Two, people didn't give us a hoot of a chance making our first year to Division One, and we end up getting to the Final Four in Stanford, uh, uh, California, in the stadium. Yeah, wonderful memories and great players. Now that wasn't your 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 last trip deep into an NCAA tournament by by any means, and the success you had here at Eastern, it kind of it being at the the fledgling years of Division One, bigger and better opportunities call that that happens to to coaches at the the lower Division One level, which Eastern is, and you had the the fortunate opportunity to go to SMU, were there for nearly 25 years, and and really built on the men's soccer side. A, I don't know know if you want to if you're comfortable using the word dynasty, but I know when people that don't know soccer when, when they would throw out, you know, four or five names of teams that you think of at, at soccer when you were coaching there, SMU is right up there with the Indianas and the, you know, the North Carolinas of the world. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun time. I mean, it went, uh, Richard went by so fast, but I have to back up a little bit. It was really hard for me to leave Eastern. Yes, it was a better paying job. It was, you know, maybe a bigger city, those type of things. But I remember my wife and I sat and talked to, do we go? We don't go. Because I loved Eastern. You know, to, for me, Eastern was my home. My, my father passed, my mother passed, and, and really Eastern was my home. But I made the decision and uh, never regret it and found tremendous success. I think what I had at my growing up at Eastern helped me find success at SMU immediately. I think the 24 years I coached there, only one year we did not go into the NCAA tournament. And we got to the NCAA uh, Final Four, I think, uh, two or three different times. But uh, I think we were in the, the Final Eight, something like 10 times. So we were, I, I like the word you use, dynasty. When, when, uh, when people had us on their schedule, they knew they were going to be in for a good game. I think it was a well-coached team. I think it was very talented players. And we found ways of winning. And so that was, uh, that was a really nice time in my life. Uh, uh, I was, and, and when I look at it, you know, I was inducted into the EIU Hall of Fame, one of my greatest honors. And uh, uh, just recently I was inducted into the SMU Hall of Fame as well. So I was really uh, honored that, uh, that success there did not go unnoticed. Congratulations on both of those, Coach. And the one you left out there, and I don't know if you were able to, to attend, I think – this happened before some of the COVID shutdown. You were also inducted into the college soccer 
Coaches Hall of Fame that this past year. I know that's got to be a great honor, and that speaks to and – and I've heard coaches say this, and I'm sure you're going to probably, you know, reiterate it here, is it's not always about me. It's about the young men that I was able to coach that, that performed on the field. Rich, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, I, I am honored for that award, uh, uh, but it was a, a collection of all the years that I've coached. And, uh, and I'll tell you, um, I cannot remember every player. But if you, if you tell me the year they played, I can tell you what that lineup was like, and they might have been in it. And uh, uh, great friends, great memories, and um, what, what great honors. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost uh, embarrassed to say that I have received honors of that nature when I'm really doing what I love to do. Now, you went from, from coaching at SMU, which was, you know, was at the college thing. And I think when you and I had breakfast this, this past year, you kind of talked that you, you, weren't, you made the next move in to, to coach at the MLS level at FCLs Dallas. And I, I can't remember if you told me at that time that you kind of wanted to take a little bit of time as a break with your family after SMU to FC, FCS Dallas, or if that was when you left FCS Dallas and retired. But I know – Family was big to you at, at that point in time in your life as well. Yeah, it really, it, 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 it still is. And, uh, you know, uh, Rich, uh, one day you're going to be my age <laughs> and you'll look back at your life and you're going to go, you know, there were some really, some wonderful moments. There were some hiccups, but there were certainly some wonderful moments. And it's always about other people. It's not about you. It's about the, the other people to make them wonderful moments. And nothing could be any more wonderful to have children and now I have two grandchildren and uh, I'm so proud of them so yeah I did uh, I did F uh, FC Dallas almost six years and uh, I thought I needed some time off I my health was being affected I couldn't I couldn't find a time to work out I found myself on the edge a lot uh, a little bit too nervous uh, a little short with people you know I mean it, it and, and Shanahan could probably say the same thing and when, when you're at that level, everything's about winning, you know, and there's uh, um, and, and, and a lot of that, you, you have to almost be cutthroat sometimes because you, you know, if you don't win, um, you love to play this player because he's such a, he works so hard and he's such a great young man. But you, you, if you lose and you, your head's on the chopping block. And I really felt like I needed to take some time to get myself healthy, kind of get back with my, my family, I'll give you a story that I use quite a bit in speaking engagements. Um, and that was when my daughter came to me her senior year of high school. And I was coaching FC Dallas at the time. And I was probably my fifth year into it. And she said, Dad, can you promise me something? And I said, yeah, of course, tomorrow I'll do whatever I can for you. I love you. She said, will you promise me, Dad, that you'll be at my high school graduation? <laughs> I mean, what father would ever be asked that question, right? And I said, of course I'm going to be there. I love you. You're my daughter. And then I thought about it and I said, but, you know, we haven't got our schedule yet. The league hasn't put out the schedule. And if I'm playing in L.A. Uh, Saturday, uh, I might not be here Saturday for the, for the graduation. And she looked at me, you know, with her beautiful brown eyes. And she said, Dad, I know, but I just want you to know you have yet to be at one of my high school events and I'm a senior. And that's like a corkscrew in the heart that just yeah. doesn't go away. It just keeps twisting. 
And that was probably the moment I said, you know what, I, I need to move on. Now, when you talk about that, I guess, I, I know coaches have done, you've had, you had success at, at both levels, were able to get to the MLS finals as FCS Dallas, you know, played for national championships and, and deep into the tournament at the NCAA level. For people that think they know, but they don't really know, what, what's maybe the biggest difference between, you know, coaching at the college level and coaching at the professional level? You know, with all my success in college, it didn't do me any good when I walked into my first day coaching professional because I'm dealing with, with uh, mature professional players. Many of them have, have played in their World Cup teams. And here I come in as a college coach. So I had to prove myself. Um, and, and of course, you can't, in coaching, you can, never be the, you can never be the other person. You have to be yourself. If you try to be someone else, you're going to fail because that's not you. So I became myself. And uh, the reason I took the job, uh, the reason the owners waited, uh, they waited really six weeks for me to give them an answer. The reason they waited, I think, was because they, they wanted me. And I was in Europe uh, doing the Euros with, uh, in Austria and Switzerland. And I was trying to make a decision at that time. Well, that, that tournament went on for a month. So... Um, I think they saw some things in me that uh, could help them, but understand when I took the job it was because they just let the other manager go. The team really wasn't that good of a team. So whoever they brought in was really a building year and never losing before in my life. It was, it was hard. It was hard to um, lose games, even though you might lose one zero in, in the last uh, extended time it still was a loss. And I remember the owner came to me like probably two months in, took me out to lunch and said, how are you doing? And I said, well, I gotta tell you, this has been harder than I thought it would be. And he goes, well, you know, we chose you because you've had such a good record. Uh, you'll get through this. Well, you know, a few years later, we get to the MLS finals. I get um, uh, my best player is the player of the year, uh, David Ferreira. And I get coach of the year in the MLS. So, so there was, for me, there was some kind of justice that I had to really work hard for the team to find success to get to the final. Um, but it was hard. It was really hard. And I'll, and I'll tell you a part that a lot of people don't know till, you, till you're in that professional environment. The fans love you when you win. The fans think you're crap when you lose. <laughs> and, and there's no in-between. And uh, you, you don't read the papers when you're losing. You don't let the uh, internet bother you. I know my, my own children came to the game. And sometimes, you know, when the team wasn't playing well, they would get up and leave. They wouldn't wait till the end of the game. Because they knew, you know, the, 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 the crowd will speak. <laughs> yep. Now, speaking of MLS, we'll, we'll kind of stay on that topic a little bit. I, I saw on here, if I'm not mistaken, your grandson plays in the MLS now, and he looks like clicking on, on his bio page there, he was good enough to where he actually skipped through this, the, the college ranks and kind of played, um, I'm not even sure exactly if there's a, is there a semi-pro level that you kind of play at before you go to the MLS? You, you know, uh, Emerson, Emerson Heinemann, uh, 24 years old today not today, but right now. Um, 
when he was 15 and I was coaching in the MLS, uh, I took him when he was 12, I took him to Europe to get some trials. Imagine a 12 year old. Okay. He was offered a place at Newcastle when he was 13 and that's Newcastle, England. And, uh, after the family sat down, we didn't think it was the best thing for him. So he joined the FC Dallas youth academy teams. At 15, uh, he went to Fulham in Liverpool and uh, became a player. They were in the Premier League um, in their academy. At 18, he was starting for Fulham. Wow. And uh, so he's had some great success. I think he's had four caps with the U.S. national team, playing very well for Atlanta. We're awfully, awfully proud of him. He came back to the States last year on loan. Now he's signed a, a longer-term contract. It's nice to have him in our time zone. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure you guys are happy about that. Now I'm going to kind of just throw out some, some questions at you here, Coach, kind of uh, yeah. catch, you, catch you off guard maybe a little bit here. But as we, we mentioned, you kind of grew up o overseas. What kind of – what teams did you follow – in, in soccer, who was your team when you were younger, and has that maybe since changed? Are, are you a are you an English Premier League? Are you a Bundesliga guy? Are you a, a Serie Italia type fan? Yeah, I think I've matured with my age. Okay, <laughs> uh, when when I was younger, I um, uh, when I when I came to the states, I was playing with a German team. Uh, my cousin Patty Souza brought me on board, board when I was sixteen. And uh, in fact, that's where Fritz Teller saw me play and, and offered me an opportunity to come to Eastern on scholarship. But uh, because I was a German team, I knew a lot about West Germany, you know, the Franz Beckenbauer's and Gerd Müller's. But in my heart of hearts, and I'm probably one of many, many people that would say this, I always thought Brazil was outstanding uh, because of the best player in the world ever played was uh, a man named Pele. Yep. And who doesn't like the way Brazil plays, ball possession, Archer C, you know, technical ability. Um, but now as I've matured and got older and got a little bit more wiser and, and been in the world more and more, um, I really enjoyed the Premier League. And the part of that was because my grandson was over there and I got to know him better. I, I don't know if I have a favorite team. I used to think that the best team in the – well, we all know the best team in the world is Manchester United. So the question would always – well, who's the second best team in the world? And I would always say Manchester United's B team. And that would get a laugh from everyone. But uh, now, of course, uh, Liverpool's doing extremely well with, with the manager club. And, but I, I believe I followed a team that Jose Mourinho coaches. And Jose Mourinho is a Portuguese manager that's found a lot, a lot of success. And uh, when, when he was with um, Real Madrid, Real Madrid was my favorite team. When he was with Chelsea, Chelsea was my favorite team. And uh, Inter Milan and so forth. Now he's with Tottenham. So I try to follow the manager and try to f follow what his coaching uh, methodology is like. Interesting. That, that sounds like a lot, of, a lot of young people I know nowadays, that would be how their um, maybe favorite professional sports team is I, I say in particular the NBA I my, my son being one of these he's not really an NBA guy he's a, a fan of whatever team LeBron's on at the time so he was a Cavaliers fan for a little while now he's he thinks he's a Lakers fan so that's an interesting <laughs> analogy that you had there coach that you follow a manager and, and your kind of favorite team is the one that he's coaching right so when you um I know you're in Arizona now and we, we've talked out there other than the opportunity at Grand Canyon I mean what 
what kind of attracted you to Arizona? I'm assuming that's maybe a place you got, you and your family are looking to retire at some point in time. Well, you know what? Um, I had opportunities to get back into the MLS. You know, you know I, I said to my wife, I need one year, one year of no work. Now, you know, fortunate enough, uh, at the professional level, they pay you well. So you can take a year off. And so I took that year off, traveled the world, and I, uh, my, my schedule was get up in the morning, go to an, a 9 o'clock spin class, go out to lunch with friends, uh, 6 o'clock go in for a second spin class. I mean, I was just working out all the time, and I really enjoying life. Some job opportunities came. I would go and interview, and I just really didn't feel like I wanted to get back into that environment. So why did I go to Grand Canyon University? Because almost exactly to the date when that year came up, uh, a, a man at Southern Methodist University, uh, he was the assistant athletic director named Mike Vaught. Mike Vaught was a really good friend with your previous football coach. Um, and Mike was the athletic, he became the athletic director at uh, Grand Canyon University. So he called me and said, Shellis, we have a place for you. Uh, I didn't think I wanted to really go there. Uh, but um, I said I would come in for an interview and maybe help them with uh, like a consultant type of thing. And um, probably in January, we talked in November, probably in January, a uh, basketball coach named Dan Marley called me and said, hey, look, we uh, we know you're a good Division One coach. We need we need a little bit of guidance here. So I did go down there and meet with them. The president, uh, President Mueller, put an unbelievable program together for me. Was willing to build a, a brand new soccer stadium, probably probably one of the best soccer stadiums in the country. Uh, we you know we get 7,500 people a game. It was almost a replica of many of the MLS things. So. Um, I thought I would be here for a couple of years and move back to the MOS or do something else. And I'm just uh, starting my fifth year. Congratulations on that coach. So what do you like most about Arizona, the state of Arizona? And then what have you, uh, what maybe don't you like? I, I'm assuming I, I, anytime <laughs> I hear don't like, I always hear that the yeah. is probably first thing that comes to the top of your mind. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you it's the best weather anywhere in the world from October to April, okay? okay? So it's the best. But the summers, I mean, the other day we had 114 degrees. Wow. Yeah, you just don't do much out in the summers. You get in the shade and, it's, and it really drops. But if you're on that sun, it, it, it is awfully hot. People are really friendly here. I live in a wonderful place, Scottsdale. I live in Old Town. Uh, I can park my car and I've got probably 100 restaurants to walk to within a quarter mile. I got the mall across the street. Uh, it's lovely. It's a little bit of a drive to work. It's, uh, it's not like when I lived on Meadow Lake Road and, and I could start my, my motorcycle or my car up and be in Lance Building in 30 seconds. Yep. But, uh, but it's about 11 miles, and it's, it's, it's a nice, comfortable drive because I can think. Um, it's nice people. My wife loves it. We spend a lot of time at the health club. In fact, I'm playing a lot of tennis now um, because soccer has, hasn't been kind to me in that manner. So I play a lot of tennis, and I have yet to beat my wife. She's really quite good. Well, um, what is, what's that, that saying? They say the, the happy wife, happy life. Is, the, is that the term I hear a lot of times? Yeah, without a doubt. And, uh, and, but I'm not letting her win. Let me make okay. that clear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
So you mentioned that I've, I've heard cycling, I've heard tennis. I was going to kind of ask what what kind of hobbies or interests do you have away from away from the sport of soccer? Because I know that you know when when you're in sports and you're in tuned all the time, you you kind of need that that mental or that physical break. You know, uh, for me, my in my my second life is the martial arts, and uh, I started that obviously coming from China, uh, but I but I've never let that out of my life. And um, in fact, I. I had a, when I was at Eastern, I started the self-defense course that became a very popular course to physical education. And, and, you know, in the curriculum, you had to take some kind of PE course. And uh, I was surprised. I, I set it up for 20 people and, and every, every uh, class I had was probably 45 to 50 people in there. Cause I could never say no to anyone. Wow. And, um, and then I started a martial arts club and I've been teaching, gee, probably close to 40 years. So the martial arts is a big part of my life. It's, um, uh, it's, it's really been fantastic. Nothing in, in fighting or self-defense, but it's just been fantastic to, to not be a soccer coach and to just be a teacher. Okay. And we're going to wrap it up here in just a minute, Coach, but I always ask the, these couple questions. I started doing these with, our, with some of our coaching staffs and kind of um, – and this is not so much on the quarantine now. Hopefully, we're on the up end of this, and and I hope I know we're having these interviews while Arizona is one of the the, the states yep. that, that has some cases. Hopefully, you and your your family are, are safe in in this situation, and your your players are as well. But I always ask, kind of, what what music are are you kind of listening to right now? And the question was before, what was kind of your theme song during the COVID? But I don't know that I want to continue that question. So, kind of, what's your kind of maybe go to artist or go to song when you need to to, to have a little bit of motivation? You know, I'm a, I'm a very traditionalist person, and I, and I think this goes back to, to my days in, in my – really, it goes back to my days at Eastern. Uh, how ironic is that? My days in, you know, my senior high school, my days at Eastern, where I really enjoyed a lot of the music um, at that time. Um, probably I, I do a, a five-mile walk every day. Every day. And the music that I do, Pandora, and the music that I listen to is um, uh, Neil Young. Okay. Because I think there's a lot, of, a lot of messages there. I listen a lot to Bob Dylan, you know, back in that time. And I, and I think the majority of people in the world probably would agree with this statement. I can hear a song, Rich, and I can remember the times I heard that song when I was younger. And why would I, why would I remember those times? Because th those were great times. My times at Eastern, Eastern Illinois was where I grew up. You know, so many wonderful things happened for me at Eastern. And, um, and those were some, some of the best times of my life. And so I don't, maybe it's a way I don't want to lose them. You know, so I listen to the music. It reminds me of those days. Well, I appreciate your time, Coach. It was great catching up with you. And I know we're going to put this out there. You've been our, our, one of our kickoff guests here on the, the EIU Panthers podcast. Like I mentioned, we're going to have Coach Tom Woodall, who you talked about at the very start of this program, on here early in our, our first couple episodes as well. And I know you were you mentioned to me that you were happy I was able to get you on before him because he's going to have a lot of stories. <laughs> he's a hard act to follow. But listen, I'll close with this. Go Panthers. I appreciate it. We've been jo you've been joined now by uh, Coach Shellis Hyman here on the EIU Panther Podcast. We do appreciate everybody listening. And Coach, you and your family, stay safe and stay well out there in Arizona. Thank you. You as well. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.